0: The LexisNexis Environmental Law and Climate Change Community Podcast. Presentations and interviews with leading attorneys and industry professionals. On this edition, Mark Carell, founder and principal of Climate Change and Environmental Services. On nine purely business reasons to green your company. The opinions expressed by guests interviewed on LexisNexis legal podcasts do not necessarily reflect those of Reed Elsevier Incorporated, LexisNexis, subsidiary companies, shareholders, employees, or customers, and should not be considered legal advice. Mark Carell is the founder and principal of the environmental consulting firm Climate Change and Environmental Services. Mr. Carell got his bachelor of science degree from New York University and a master's of science in biochemistry from the University of Wisconsin. Mr. Carell returned to graduate school and received a second master's degree in chemical engineering from Columbia University. He's a licensed professional engineer and a certified energy manager. Mr. Corral has 25 years of experience working for the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency and as an environmental consultant for industry, mainly in the areas of air quality, climate change, carbon footprinting, energy, and sustainability. Mr. Corral, thanks so much for giving up a little bit of time to be with us on this LexisNexis legal podcast. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit more about you and your company, Climate Change and Environmental Services.
1: Well, I'm a professional engineer. I've been doing environmental work for about 25 years, and uh, I've worked... Mainly for consulting firms. I have I did begin my career at the EPA, and then uh, a couple of years ago, I decided to start my own firm and roll up my sleeves and uh, came up with the name Climate Change and Environmental Services. And hopefully, it meets uh, what the title says that my specialty is in climate change related work, and that means doing carbon footprints, baseline greenhouse gas emission inventory, energy audits to determine the best way, best strategic ways to reduce greenhouse gas emissions the various accounting that goes along with it, implementation of projects, and then also on the environmental side, my specialty happens to be air pollution, but I certainly uh, know enough to be dangerous in some other areas, such as stormwater and wastewater.
0: And you've recently written an article entitled, Nine Purely Business Reasons to Green Your Company. Uh, why'd you write that?
1: Well, you know, part of the frustrations that I've uh, had in terms of speaking, uh, doing public speaking and talking to classes and, and speaking clients and potential clients is that a lot of companies want to embrace being green, but it's hard for that person who I'm dealing with to convince their superiors. What I've been trying to do when I do public speaking, when I speak in classes, when I speak to clients or potential clients, is to convince them why it's good to go green. And I get a lot of hesitation, a lot of frustration because of the recession, because of the difficult economic times that we're having. A lot of companies, of course, are reluctant to invest in something that might be good for the polar bears or good for the trees, what have you. There has to be a solid business reason to do it. So uh, giving it some thought, I came up with these nine purely business reasons, not tree-hugging, not being good to the earth or anything like that, but purely dollars and cents reasons for companies to have a good, robust sustainability or climate change program.
0: Well, let's talk about a few of those. Uh, First and foremost, the monetary case.
1: And really, it comes down to the fact that most greenhouse gas emission reductions are based on reducing your energy usage, our company's energy usage. And, of course, given our current cost to get gasoline, not to mention all the other fuels, that reducing your energy usage will also, of course, save a lot of money. And uh, obviously, that makes a lot of business sense. And I always look at it as, as really, this is really a special case that goes beyond anything else because... The way I think about it is if, if you're able to save your company, yeah, let's say $100,000 a year in energy costs, and that's again between electricity and fuel usage, and that's really not that big a savings. It's, uh, you know, we all get monthly bills, It's less than 10000 a month. But if we save 100000 a year, that's quite literally money in the pocket of the company. You know, raises the profit, It's a direct savings for the company, and, and again, good for the bottom line. On the other hand, the other way, of course, to make money for companies company is to raise sales. Well, the typical widget, the typical product that a, a company sells, if it has a 10% profit, what, how much do you have to raise sales to equal the $100,000 a year savings in energy? Well, it has to be about a million dollars a year. So which is easier, to reduce your costs, your energy cost by $100,000 a year, or increase your sales by a million a year? Going out and getting salespeople, advertisements, things like that. Not to mention to actually make the additional widgets, the additional products, and all that. That answer, that question, is going to vary from company to company. But I think for most companies, that $100,000 a year savings and energy is going to be easier to achieve.
0: You say that greening your business can help create new products and sell more. How so? Well,
1: there's certainly a growing uh, consumer interest in green products. It's slow, but, but uh, definitely there. And so uh, a product that can actually truthfully claim to be green or beneficial uh, environmentally has a chance to have a good competitive sales edge over others. And a really good example of that is GE has a line of products called EcoImagination, and most of those products are actually products they've already had. They've just rebranded or reemphasized the environmental benefits of those uh, products, and their sales doubled over a three-year period once they made the uh, they performed the rebranding.
0: That's an excellent example. Well, how about internally? Uh, how can it help with, say, uh, you know, a company's employees?
1: Well, that's that's a great one because I think companies are recognizing there's a tremendous cost to replace an employee, particularly a valued employee, find a replacement, train the replacement, hope the replacement is as good as the person who left. That's months of uh, unproductive costs and and, and lack of productivity in finding that uh, employee. And there's been a number of case studies now that show that a company that really embraces a green approach is going to be a motivator uh, for workers to work harder and to stay uh, at their uh, business. Uh, I have actually one anecdotal story. It's actually not in what I wrote, but I met a um, corporate sustainability manager at a conference. Mm. and He was telling me a story where he works at his company. He works in the headquarters, but in the back of the headquarters is one of their manufacturing plants. So as he walks the halls of his building, he comes across some of the blue-collar workers. And he told me a story that one day, he's walking down the hall, and one of those manufacturing uh, operators walked over to him and shook his hand very heartily and said, thank you so much for developing the sustainability program here. You don't know how much this has meant to me and my family. Really? I said, to you and your family? Yeah, just like that. Really? Yeah, he was shocked. He couldn't understand. And the fellow went on to explain At the end of the day, in the evening, when I sit around and have dinner with my wife and children, they always ask me how my day was, and I tell them what I do on the manufacturing floor, and they shrug their shoulders and roll their eyes, and they're not you know, terribly excited. But a few weeks earlier, he started to tell about the green products and and the green approaches and the energy saving that they're doing, and all of a sudden, the teenage children are very, very interested, and the wife is appreciative, and and he's now the hero of the family, when that wasn't the case before uh, the green program. So he was actually thinking, and if you think about it, is a guy like that actually going to leave the company? It's going to take quite a bit for him to leave the company, given that this green program has uh, essentially made his family life a lot, uh, a lot better.
0: Absolutely. And that also helps improve efficiency, right?
1: No, no question about it, because that's part of energy savings, is improving efficiency. Yeah.
0: Can greening a company uh, help fast-track, say, future projects that a company might be interested in pursuing?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, there's always a lot of controversy and there's always a lot of costs and money spent by a company that wants to expand a particular facility uh, or build a new plant. There's controversy with the neighbors, there's controversy with you know, the regulators, can they get it approved and all, all that. Well, developing a green program can essentially be the, the moral high ground to negotiate for a project that others might dispute. And there's been a couple of cases of companies that have actually saved a lot of money, a lot of legal fees even, too, in terms of using the green program as a way to uh, allow the, uh, the growth of, of their companies' facilities. Uh, example I actually made the, the newspapers a few years ago was TXU, the big Texas utility company. They wanted to expand, and in fact, they wanted to actually build some coal-fired power plants and of course that's sort of a dirty word these days to build a coal-fired power plant given how relatively dirty coal is. Well they established a green program for their entire portfolio of facilities and they used that to get approval even from some of the environmental groups actually checked off, allowed them to build new coal-fired plants as long as they reduced greenhouse gas emissions uh, elsewhere. So it's a win-win for them. Oh yeah,
0: sure was. Is there a way to internalize, if it were, evaluating climate change risks?
1: Yeah, that's something that has become a big issue in Europe and has really not gotten much publicity in the United States, but that is a whole understanding of how climate change is going to affect how business is being conducted. You know, mm-hmm. it's historically, we've always had the mindset of what is the environmental impact of a facility on the environment and the neighbors around, the air pollutants, the discharges into the water, the ha- the waste, the hazardous waste, and all that. Now, for the first time ever, with climate change, we're beginning to understand what are the risks of the environment onto a facility. For instance, you have the physical climate change risks. What happens if we have this more intense storms, the rise in temperatures, the disease outbreaks, the water shortages, freshwater shortages that many scientists are predicting because of climate change? How does that affect your business? How does that affect? a facility manufacturing a product? What if there uh, there turns to be an increase in storms and the severity of storms and you can't get the raw materials to your facility? Or you can't get your widgets, your, your final product, out into the market, out to the warehouse and to the consumers? What's that going to do to your stock price? What's that going to do to your bottom line? Quite a bit. So it's uh, important, and as I said, it's a big issue now in Europe of companies planning out what they were going to do in case uh, this happens is also regulatory risk. You know, we're beginning to get now this quilt of regulations. Uh, we have the reporting rule on the federal level. You've got a regional rule like Reggie. You've got California that's uh, moving ahead with greenhouse gas rules. And you have a myriad of energy codes and local code, greenhouse gas codes that are starting to come up. That's a risk uh, as far as businesses are concerned, just to keep up with those regulations. So risk uh, has many different uh, aspects. and has an uh, opportunity to affect businesses in many ways. And American companies are beginning to understand that now.
0: I like how you bring in some of those real-life business examples to this. I, and I would think they would be helpful. Are you finding less resistance when you put this in such a purely business light? To
1: be honest, I've not seen a big change. I, I, think, I think the change is very gradual. I, I think what happened at least in the United States, is about five, six, seven years ago when this began to be a big buzzword, we started to have a lot of companies jumped in and address climate change and sustainability very well and profited from it. The DuPonts, uh, the Fords, the, uh, the GEs, companies like that. But a lot of other companies have held off. And I think what I, I know for myself, when I sit down quite literally with this writing of, of nine purely business reasons to green your business, People I speak to nod their head. I Actually, I challenge people. I said, can you tell me where I may be wrong here? I'm an engineer. I'm not a, uh, I am not don't have an MBA. Is there something in this that doesn't make sense? And every single person I've spoken to nods and says, no, this makes a lot of sense. This is absolutely right. But it's a matter of filtering that message throughout a company. It's one thing to sit down with one or two people, even key people, but it's getting the entire uh, C-suite, as they say, to understand this and accept this That is really the challenge. And I think it's going to happen in time, but it's just going to take a bit of time. Like a lot of movements, things uh, uh, don't happen overnight.
0: And you've mentioned that I know you work with a number of large corporations, but are these reasons also applicable to smaller companies as well?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. There's no question about that. Uh, uh, You know, the other thing that we have a nice window now, and I don't know how long it's going to stay open, is the availability of grants from from government agencies or even from private agencies to do some of the sustainability work. Uh, there's one uh, interesting example. Uh, it's actually near where I live in New York, a uh, retail clothing store that uh, actually specializes in children's clothes. They uh, ha- had a lighting study done that was actually about two-thirds financed by a government agency. And they identified, of course, uh, the inefficient bulbs and the inefficient fixtures, and then, of course, they were recommended to be replaced. But in addition, they found out that they really had too many fixtures, too many lights, and some of the lights were pointed inappropriately. So they had the entire store redesigned with the more efficient fixtures and bulbs, but also uh, with the light actually shining on the clothing, which is what they're selling. So they shut down for two weeks, which made the owners very nervous. No owner of a small business wants to shut down because their customers are going to go somewhere, may go somewhere else and may stay with that person, but they just felt it was worth it. Well, the company saved, I think it was, I forget the number, but it was a significant amount of energy savings, first of all, uh, right away. You know, uh, the electric bill went down the very first month they reopened, but then they found out that their sales improved also because, again, the lighting was better. The lighting was on the product and not on empty wall space something like that. So it ended up being a great business move to do this because not only do they have savings on the cost end, but also improvements on the revenue end as well.
0: Another great real-life uh, example for you there. You've written nine purely business reasons to green your company. We've mentioned only a few of them here. Is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: Well, I, again, I think this is something that uh, you know should be done taken very seriously. their company should look. And, and, and I would say all nine are not applicable to any one company, but I would say most companies should have two, three, or four of them will uh, be applicable to them, and they can benefit. And it's something that they should take a look at. And uh, I think another important thing with sustainability and climate change-related work is that this is very much a team effort. So this is not... Uh, the business people, the MBAs saving the world, it's not even techies like me saving the world, but it's really it's HR, as I mentioned, that example of, of the person who's, you know, the employee who's so motivated by the green program. This is a tr- pure team effort. So I think the really important thing to do is once you assess which of these reasons are most beneficial for your firm, sit down, put together a team, a climate change team, a sustainability team, whatever you want to call it, a green team. Get green T-shirts, whatever you know, gets the team spirit, and get people from different groups to sit together because really, most most groups at a company are impacted by this. The legal, of course, division, the business division, sales, production, new products. Uh, HR, etc., engineering, operations, are all impacted by this and all have something to contribute and can make it special. So I think sharing these uh, business reasons, seeing which ones are most relevant to your firm, and getting a team together to address this uh, the best way possible for your firm, given the characteristics of your firm, is going to be
0: a a big winner. All great suggestions. And if people want to read all of the nine reasons and find out more about your company, where can they go?
1: The uh, website is www.ccesworld.com, and you can uh, click on the blog. You know, uh, although I'm a technical person, and, and some of the blog articles are a little bit technical, I try to reach out and bridge the gap to legal issues and business issues and other and social issues and other issues as well.
0: I so think- it should be easy reading for everybody. Yes, absolutely, Mr. Carell, Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate you being part of this LexisNexis Legal Podcast. It's been great talking to you.
1: Thank you very much, Steve. Nice talking to you too.
0: Thank you for listening to this LexisNexis legal podcast. Visit the LexisNexis communities at LexisNexis.com community. The LexisNexis Environmental Law and Climate Change Community Podcast, copyright 2011 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. I'm Steve Bursler. Thank you for listening.